You're now listening to Fundamental Fast Pitch. Welcome back, everyone. It's Mike here with Jessica Tanner and Heather Maloney on the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. This is episode number 99, Traffic Control, where Jessica Tanner sits on the side of me and Coach Heather have a conversation as everything as it pertains to catching. Coach Jess, would you like to talk for the first time and the only time probably today? I was going to say, this is probably going to be the fewest words you guys will ever hear me say in an episode. So I'm ready to actively listen. That was 23. Write it down. 23 <laughs> words, people. Coach Heather, how are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm in a fantastic mood as well. I got to dance on stage to church clap in front of 50 of my closest friends today. So that was fun. Um, what did that exactly entail? Maybe I'll talk about in episode 100. But this is episode number 99, Traffic Control, where we talk about things as it relates to the backstops. Coach Heather, let's get straight into it. What does traffic control mean exactly to you? So traffic control is the catchers directing the game. So uh, whether that's a, before a play happens, before a, a batter steps in the box, or during the play when the ball is live, um, it could be something that the catchers are yelling out loud. It could be um, calling time and going and talking to your pitcher. It could be something nonverbal. It could be signs or signals that you're uh, relaying to your teammates. Um, so basically, it's just it's the the catcher controlling and dictating, kind of directing rather the, the way the game goes and, and how the plays play out. So Coach Jess, I have a question for you before I kick it back to Coach Heather. Um, in your limited catching experience, how loud of a catcher were you? Um, well, I <laughs> this is not a fair question. Um, I caught all of one pitch from a pitcher that was supposed to be a fastball, and it was a curveball that broke into my forearm. And so you can imagine my explicits um, oh, whenever wow. that hit me in the forearm. And that was that was my my one uh, my one catching experience. So super loud is what I'm hearing. Um, yeah. <laughs> so in terms of what catcher should be calling Coach Heather, can we run down some of the basic things that we think catchers should be calling out during the game? Right. So I think the kind of at the most basic, um, you know, what what the real young catchers can and, and should be doing confidently is calling out the the outs that, you know, how many outs you are and where the runners, where the runners are uh, before the batter steps in the box. So if you got runners on first and second and one out, their catchers literally just going to step up um, in front of the plate. Uh, runners on one and two, one out, you know, just so that you're you make kind of make sure that your teammates all know where the, the runners are and how many outs there are so they can kind of um, trigger their pre-planning, pre-pitched planning um, on where they might go with the ball if, you know, they get it or, you know, so they can kind of run down their um, backups or, or responsibilities for that situation. So that's kind of the, at its basic, um, what every catcher should be doing. I do have something to contribute. 24, 25, 26. So, Heather, you probably know where I'm going with this, but at its most basic, calling out outs and location of runners. Typically, you want to do that in like sequential order. So um, call it a coach peeve, if you will. But the catchers that call out runners on third and second or runners yes. on third and first, like you will see me side eye them or, or correct them. Like I just, it's a tick, man. I can't handle it. So, but, you know. but coach, coach S at a young age, the fact that they're, I mean, at a young age, I'm kind of okay with it. They're trying to still think through the game, right? I mean, it's just just the transposing of words is hilarious in and of itself. Yes, and they're not wrong. And and no, absolutely, that's just a me thing. Um, there that's, is that's runners the at third and first. There it. is runners at third and first. There is, in factually, runners at third and first. Yes, 
uh no that's that's something that i didn't um realize bothered me so bad but you're once you pointed it out like i cannot unhear it and it i just hear it all the time and you're right it it does it does kind of irk me a little bit but um like you say Uh, mike it is correct but it's it's kind of annoying i mean i i got to spend an entire year listening to it and not telling the girls to change it because i would look at jessica every time and thoroughly enjoy the look on her face so i mean there was that (laughs) i was like do it again do it again do it again (laughs) that was one i couldn't hide I'm fair. I was like, you're like, what are we doing? I was like, they're 10 years old. And you're like, okay, fair. And hey, you know what? To my to my defense, that goes back to that whole like teach them right at a young age. And like, I'm just I'm gonna stick to my guns on that one. Yes, hey. that's that's correct. And the, the actual runners are correct, but man, like it's like trying to count backwards. It just doesn't work. Uh hold on. I would agree. Hold, hold, hold on why doesn't counting backwards work it's just like a saying that i'm not aware of like a texas thing no like it's like if you're trying like sequential order like one two like it's a progression on the bases right Fair. so if it's like trying to get lead outs and all that it just in my mind it doesn't it doesn't flow you're not wrong you you're you're not wrong it's just it's just I, like that's I all said, i needed I thir- to hear you say that's fine y'all can move yeah. on that's all i had to add would you like me to make it a ringtone so when you get a text message from me it says you are not wrong i just so just listen. no that's okay right, maybe one day that's okay all right coach heather since jessica doesn't like uh calling out making the play back what else can we call out when we're when we're catching all right so uh kind of moving up uh, from the most basic um then we kind of move into um, calling out the play during the play. So the ball is hit, you know, so stick with the runners on first and second. The ball is hit, let's say, at a shortstop. You might yell out, three, 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 three. Um, so you're kind of directing the play, directing your your players um, where to go with the ball to get, hopefully, the lead out. Um, or or in some situations, um, you know, you may your players may have, like, the plan of going to third, but you may see something different on the field. Um, that might be unexpected um, because you have such a good view of the field you may see something different and you may change the play um, in the middle of the play so um, and that's something that you kind of gain confidence through doing and in your experience Um, but uh, that's something that you can definitely be doing at a younger age once you kind of understand force plays and read plays and uh, getting the lead runner so that's something that we should be encouraging our catchers to do during the play as well. Coach Heather, do you encourage your catchers like in a situation which calls for it? Like, do you want your catchers calling the infield in? Are you okay with them doing that? Would you prefer the 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 team as a whole, or is that something like you know as a catcher you're taking that leadership role on and kind of alerting your teammates? I, I know it's not necessarily like it kind of falls into the where to make the play, but like, are you directing traffic and shifts through the coaches? Like, what does that line up for you? That's a good question. A good add. Um, I think definitely like a infield in situation with bases loaded. I think it's, I think that's great for a catcher to, to, they usually have the best IQ on the team. Right. So. I mean, most of the time, yes. And uh, some coaches will prefer to kind of take charge, take the leadership role um, there in in shifts and things like that, which is fine. um, If that's the way you want to do it. Uh, Some coaches will opt to kind of relay that through the catcher. Um, That's a good option too. And then, you know, especially when you, get a little bit older or you've got those catchers that just really get it. They have that high IQ, go ahead and give them the the freedom and the, the, the lead, the long leash to, to make those calls themselves. You know, it's always, you know, if you have a situation where maybe they're calling bases loaded and infield in, but you've got a huge lead and you're like, ah, I, we don't care if they score. Um, as a coach, you yeah. can make that right. Yeah. You can make that decision. You can always change the play, change uh, the call. Um, before the pitch or relay that to your catcher so they can change that the call 
Um, so, but I think that's definitely something that your catcher should be taking the lead on. So another one of the things that I kind of I kind of grew into as I got older was as I really got a little older and locked in and, and wasn't, you know, super duper young as, as, as getting older would indicate as I'm stumbling from my words here, like recognizing the second and third time to the lineup. And as the girls continue to focus and get more zoned in, like it's, it's going to be really fun to see the girls realizing not having to look at the coach on what these specific players did in previous at bats and kind of have a feel for, for all of it back there, where to pitch on when they're calling and stuff like that. That's what I'm, that's the next progression I'm waiting for coach Heather. And that's that's huge. I mean, it, when your catcher is to the, the point focus where can, that takes, they can retain the information. They yes, can, um, you know, recall that in in the heat of the game, and they can help reposition their fielders. I mean, that's that's next level. That's that's higher level. Um, but that's something to kind of to grow into and and have a goal of of reaching that level and and being that that smart of a catcher and, and that much of a leader. That's that's those are, those are great goals to have. Well, I'm biased, but I think you're only as good as your catcher. That's just my personal opinion. <laughs> um, all right. Now, what about cuts and lining up the cuts, Coach Heather? Right. So, um, I mean, we practice cuts all the time. Uh, so you, your your infielders and your outfielders should know where to throw, and your in- infielders should know, have a good understanding of, like, where they should generally be. Um, but your catcher should be, you know, fine tuning that lineup of the cut, you know, telling your shortstop or second base, you know, left, 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 or, or little, or right, right, you know, stop right there um, so that they can make good, efficient throws and minimize the number of cuts and throws we're making. So um, in, in addition to lining up those cutoffs, those, those middle infielders, most of the time, um, you're going to be the one that's uh, the catcher's going to be the one that's telling the outfielders, you know, if, if they need to hit the cut or if they should be going all the way to the bag. So, for example, you might be yelling three, 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 which would indicate that your outfielder should go straight to the bag. Um, whereas maybe if you wanted to uh, hit the cut first, um, you would go cut three, cut three, cut three. So that would indicate they definitely need to make sure that that look that throw is low enough for the cutoff to be able to to snag that ball and then redirect if, if needed. So, um you know, you, you have the best view. You can see, you know, those outfielders have a good view, but, um, you know, they might be, their back might be turned running and chasing after a ball or something, and they're, they're focused on, focusing on getting the ball. Um, whereas your catchers, they, you know, you can see all of this unfold. You can see how quick the runners are. You can see, you know, if the runner took a good route, you can watch the base coaches and see if they're waving them on. You can see all these things. So it's really, you have the best perspective to, to control or direct where those cuts should be and when those cuts need to be made. Absolutely, Coach Heather. And I don't know how you feel about this, but as a catcher, um, I like to work forward to back. And those outfielders, like while they can see, there's no reason to work back to forward because obviously it goes catcher and then outfield as it pertains from the home plate position. So, you know, we we don't want to be working from from back to forward. We want to keep it forward to back. Right, Coach Jess? Yeah, you're poking, Mike. I'm, I'm <laughs> but I did, a little bit. I did want to add to that, though. Um, Heather made a good point on like infield, but your infield, your cutoffs, and your outfielders should know where they're going. Yeah. Um, and I think at the younger ages, they try to rely on catchers or coaches maybe too much, and kind of use that as a crutch, like, oh, I, I didn't hear anything or I didn't hear her, as opposed to like kind of taking that ownership and knowing, I'm okay, runner on two, I'm throwing four or, 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 you know what I mean? Like knowing the situation. So while it is the catcher's job to kind of d- direct traffic control and call the plays like the, in the cutoffs and the outfielders still have the responsibility of knowing where that initial play should be. And then listening, um, kind of if the catcher changes it up. 
So, so from the alpha, alpha perspective, you're saying that you have your plan in mind. And then if something <clears throat> changes, the catcher sees something different, that's when you're, you know, that's why you're listening for that catcher, not because you, you're, you're depending on them to tell you what to do, you know, in all situations. Absolutely. So as an outfielder, like you need to have an idea of not only the situation, how many outs there are, what the score is, what type of hitter you have up, where they are in the lineup, but also the speed of your hitter and your runners too, because you need to know, okay, like I, I was the player that was like literally talking to myself because you're on the outfield, like there's not anything else to do. Right. So um, going through, okay, ball in the ground, I'm shooting four um, ball in the air. I'm going three, like talking kind of through it. And so that I do, I did already have that plan in place. And then, um, when the ball was hit to me, I, I knew exactly what I was doing. And if the catcher called something different, I was still in a position where I could like make a quick adjustment based on that, as opposed to like holding on to the ball for a few extra seconds or taking those extra steps and looking confused. Um, so those are, those are kind of all factors that an outfielder needs to take into, into account when the ball is hit to the outfield. And again, that's, that's at a more advanced level, but as you guys get there, um, it is not the catcher's responsibility to tell you where to go. It is the catcher's responsibility to uh, like either redirect you or, yeah. or change up the play. That's, Correct. that's my take as an outfielder. Like I, I should agree. know what I'm doing with the ball. No, I agree wholeheartedly, especially as you get older. Yes. So coach Heather, now that we've, we've pushed through that here now, I think we're going to line up on this one. First and third place pickoffs, just just in general. Um, at what age do you want the catchers to start reading that, or, or or what age should you expect your catchers to start making these decisions for themselves? Obviously, at a young age, you know, it helps with the coach directing and this and that. But if you've got an experienced catcher or catcher who's learning a lot and knowing what they're doing, how much rope do you want to give them, and at what age do you want to start like loosening that rope a little bit? Yeah, no, I want to, as soon as possible, really, especially on the pickoffs, um, you know, if you've got a catcher that really that, that understands, um, you know, when an opportunity presents itself so they can read how far that that runner is getting off the bag and where they feel like they have a good chance of picking her off. Um, if they're getting good at that, if their throws are accurate and we can trust that they'll make a good throw most of the time. Um, I definitely give them free reign most of the time. Now, there's always going to be a situation where you're like, I, no, we need to focus on the batter or it's too risky to, to try a pickoff. Then you're just going to let them know, you know, not in this situation. Um, but that's that's something that definitely I want those catchers to, to be paying attention to those things. If, if we're doing that for them as coaches, always calling the plays, we are we're doing them a disservice because then they're not in tune to to what's going on on the field, what's going on in those base paths. So. Um, you know, if I've got someone telling me when I can throw a pickoff, I'm not going to pay as close of attention to that runner. It's just kind of human nature. Um, if you're not being, uh, you know, responsible for for calling those plays, you're just going to not pay as close of attention to them, which is not good in the in the scheme of the game either, because then your runners are going to get more greedy because you're not paying attention. Um, but yeah, no, I don't think there's a set age, Mike. I think it's it's going to be player dependent and where you're, you know, you're. Uh, where you are developmentally with each of your players on those pickoffs, especially you need to make sure that your generally your first and third baseman are, are aware and ready for those pickoffs. And they should have, you know, as we're talking about traffic control, your, your catcher should have uh, signs. Usually your pickoffs in first and third plays are not going to be something you're going to yell out, although it could be a verbal call, um, but it's not generally something obvious. It'll be something kind of like a code word you might say, or, you know, the, the catcher could, um, I don't know, hold their glove a certain way, or, you know, they could 
uh, pat it out on their chest protector or something like that. Those are going to be more signals um, that you're going to relay to your players so that they're ready for those different first and third plays or pickoff attempts so that, that they are, I mean, they should always kind of be ready, especially pickoffs. Um, but, you know, it's, it's good to know that there's a plan in place and it's just not a surprise. Um, and then your first and third plays, depending on what the situation calls for or what you feel like, um, you know, the, the runners might fall for you before and, uh, you know, the, that play is, is going to be so um, definitely, I think first and third plays, I think that's something that, that you can grow into as a catcher at calling those on your own, but I think that's going to come a little bit later than say the pickoff attempts. And and again, it, it definitely does depend on the player. Would you agree? Definitely depends on the player, um, definitely on the catcher. And then also not as much, but also on who you have on your corners that will be receiving those. That's, that's a very important as well, especially depending on how much focus your corners have. Now you have fences here. Explain that one. Yeah. So um, again, like we said, the, the catcher has such a great view of the field. Um, not so much the the deep outfield fence, but the foul, you know, the ones down the foul lines, they have a great view of those fences. So any foul balls that are hit, the the catchers should be talking to their 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 fielders so that the that that whether it's in the outfield or maybe your first or third baseman is going after a foul ball. Um, you know, you need to communicate to those players, you know, if they're getting close to the fence or if they've got plenty of room, you know, room, find it or fence. You know, we've talked about it before. Those are those are uh, a big uh, responsibility for those catchers. Let's keep our teammates safe. Number one, let's make sure they're not just running into fences left and right. Um, but we want to help our, our teammates have the best chance at making a catch on those free outs as we can. So we need to be talking to them as much as we can. Coach Jess, anything to add on to that one? Um, no, I was just going to say, agree with Heather, as far as like the view and the visual, um, nothing's worse than a center fielder trying to call a fence ball for a corner outfielder. So <laughs> yeah, you'll have some trust issues if, if you go into those, um, communications, but, um, I do think the same goes for like when a catcher is catching balls against the fence, we talk about like their role, but also, um, it's important just to note for your, your corners that, Hey, roles reverse. Like it's your responsibility to help your catcher catcher too on pop-ups, like in front, in front, behind you, first base, first base, third base, so that they're just not like standing up and spinning around in a circle. So um, surprise, surprise, we talk about communication again. <laughs> now, how <laughs> loud should you be? Um, you have to be as loud as you can possibly be. And this is something that I think I don't I don't know that there's a single catcher I've ever worked with that as 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 loud as that I believe they can be um, when, when they're calling plays on the field. You know, everybody knows that their kid is super loud. They hear him yelling around at the you know, at the house. They're super loud, but then they get out on the softball field and it kind of dials back. And, um, you know, we want to encourage the catcher to be loud. I mean, the outfield is that's it's way out there. Your your voice needs to travel out there. Everybody needs to be able to to, to hear you. So. That's something that I definitely struggle with for a long, long time. Um, and it's something that I, I finally kind of got through, through my thick skull and getting confidence in as I got a little bit older. But um, that's if, you know, you know, if I'm teaching my catchers to to talk on the field, it's that's the second thing that comes out of my mouth. You need to be loud. Yeah, it's not good I, enough to, to call a play. We need to actually be able to hear you call, hear what you're saying. Right. And I love that the next thing is finding your voice, because, for example, when I caught like I was super du like Coach Heather, you've been so proud. I, I you're to be shocked. I was super duper incredibly loud, like exaggeratingly so. But there was multiple opportunities where I had 
what can be phrased as irrational confidence. I'm like, oh, shit, no, wrong shoot, excuse me, shoot, wrong play. So, like, having that in-game experience and knowing the situation and anticipation is definitely something that's, that's going to, that, I mean, that, that that our players have to grow into, right? I mean, really. Right. And finding your voice is something that, um, you know, it's, it's the player obviously has to do the work to find their voice, but it's going to make it so much easier for the player to, to find their voice and find the confidence to use their voice if they're in an environment where they're encouraged to, to be loud and to make these calls, even when they're not really sure if it's the right call. So oh. um, as coaches, we need to know that they're going to make mistakes. Uh, mistakes are not only just going to happen in practice, they will happen in games, especially when they're younger and they're still figuring it out. Um, so it's important, like super, super important that coaches understand that those mistakes are going to happen. And we, um, you know, it, of course we need to, to teach them and, and correct and make sure that these, the mistakes don't happen again or minimize them. Um, but it, you know, we cannot just, uh, you know, we can't come down too hard and, and extinguish that what confidence has, has been gained. So it's going to be something that's going to kind of be stepwise. Some kids are going to, you know, take, gain that confidence in leaps and bounds. And other players are going to take a lot more time in those steps of confidence are going to come a lot shorter. Um, it's going to take a lot longer to, to gain all that confidence. So we need to make sure as coaches that we are um, boosting that confidence and teaching along the way rather than just shutting them down and, and kind of getting mad or upset if they make a wrong call. Right. And we did this a lot in practice as it related to, to calling it out, calling it out, be louder, be louder, be louder, call it out, call it out. But to me, like this is one of the hardest things to actually replicate in practice versus in game. Like, well, go ahead. There's, no, there's nothing, you know, for this kind of thing, there's nothing that can replace the experience. So, Zero. you know, <laughs> It's, you know, there's so much of that, that to go around. So, um, you know, you, when it comes to, when it's game time, you want to kind of be as prepared as you can be. And the way you become prepared is, um, you know, you study the game, whether it's sitting and, and watching on TV or, or going to, to, you know, high school games and, and watching and talking about it um, and, and talking about the plays that were made um the what ifs of, you know, it, well, what, what, what do you, what would you have called differently if, you know, somebody dropped this ball or, or that ball went through the, you know, got by the outfielder or, you know, just all the what ifs that could happen. I mean, just for example, I just did a, a catching clinic and, and we, um, uh, we talked about, we drew four situations out on a, on a piece of paper, just four situations. They were very simple and we talked through them all and, you know, there were you know things like you know runners on first and second and the ball was hit to shortstop what what would you call out and I asked these catchers at, at my camp and you know we came up with you know two three four five different answers and all of them were correct for each four of, of those four situations so what my point to them was that you know we drew four situations there were way more than four answers right so you know you've got to talk about what could happen what did happen what would you call differently? What could have been, you know, a little bit better? How could we have handled it a little bit better? There's so much to learn about all these different situations that, you know, it takes time and it, t it takes more than just, um, you know, on the field practice to find those um, that, that you know, kind of uh, retain and gain that information. So the more you can talk about the plays and the what ifs and see it, um, so, you know, some players really learn well by watching others and kind of emulating and copying other ones, you know, they, they need to do it. So that's when practice comes in where you can, um, you know, do situation. And, and I, I find it really valuable to kind of start with the same situation over and over. Let's just say we have a runner on first one out and we're going to do that same situation 
five, six, seven, ten times. Um, that's going to unfold differently all ten times. Um, so then your catcher has to adjust, but they're not having to adjust um, to a completely different situation. They can kind of see all the different possibilities that could come just from that one runner on first one out. Um, so it, I think it's real helpful to start with, you know, the same situation, but could, you know, do it over and over so that you can see how it can unfold differently. And then as you gain some confidence there, you can vary your situation. So it's not the same thing every, you know, every time the ball is hit, you know, maybe run on first one out, maybe bases loaded, no outs, you know, just mix it up every time you, you know, hit the ball and put the ball in play and let your catcher um, see the play unfold. If they make a mistake, that's fine. Um, maybe just approach them and ask them, you know, what would you have done differently? Or was that the best call now that, yeah, now that you've seen it all unfold, is that the, the same call you would make again, you know, and just talk about it and let them know that, um, you know, there's more than one answer and, uh, you know, we can talk about it and learn from it and it's okay to make a mistake. You made a mistake. Oh, well, and, and if you make a mistake and you realize it in the middle of the play, it's okay. Change your mind, change what you're saying. If you, if you said three, 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 but you meant now you're realizing you need to come home, change the call, call four, 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 immediately change it call it and be louder. And, um, you know, just make sure everyone hears you. No, all important and valuable information because as a catcher, like, much as a, as a pitcher and you have a unique job in the game like as it pertains to the the the, the specialty work you're going to do be a blocking be a throw, like it's all different right like you're going to have a lot of side work in a practice and in a lesson controlled environment where you're going to be expected to to develop these skills whereas you can't take two hours at a practice right coach other to to work on these specific skills as you go so you're going to be you're going to be expected to to learn a lot of these these basic movements and 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 basic skills and drills, you know, on your own. So when you get this type of environment or these type of drills, this this this, I don't know what I'm trying to say. Other than when you get the opportunity in practice to work on these specific situations, you really have to hit it hard. And I really think it's one of those things where, if you think that you're practicing enough, you know, with your catchers and practice, you're probably not. But at the end of the day, it's your job to figure it out as a catcher because. That's your job. To, to me, at least, like it's, it's one of the hardest things in practice. Like it just takes a long time, but it's incredibly necessary, if that makes sense. No, you're right. And and I think this goes this is both falls on the shoulders of the, the coaches and also the players, especially and the, the, and the parents, the, the younger parents as well. Right. But if you think about like, um, you know, a lot of practices will involve at least some some amount of time dedicated to situations and, and more kind of like game situation. Um, you know, trying to replicate what you might see in a game and catchers are often just told, come catch in, you know, yeah, seriously. And and it just becomes, it, it's boring, right? You're just catching the ball and tossing it to your coach so they can hit it again. And that, it, you know, the coaches need to stop and, and let the, let the catcher, you know, let the catchers call plays. Yes. Um, don't just get such a rhythm that they're just hitting the ball as quick as they can, you know, let the catcher call, um, let the catcher call the play, let the catcher, you know, make a mistake and then redirect and change their mind and, and correct the call. Talk about it if you need to. I realize that you can't always talk about, you know, things in depth, but, you know, earmark it for later if you need to. Um, but then it also falls on the player's shoulders too. you know, stand up for yourself. Let the, you know, if you're standing in front of the plate to call, you know, runners on second, no outs, um, your coach isn't going to hit the ball because he's going to hit you with it. You know, yeah. you take some initiative, call the play and then, on the also like if you're catching in as a catcher in situations um make it a point to to obviously you're physically not going to be doing a whole lot but make it a point to try to be mentally tired by the time you're done doing situations if you if you're mentally tired because you know you've been thinking about 
you know, the ball's here, the runner is this fast, um, you know, somebody made an error, throwing error, how do we adjust? You know, that's going to make you mentally tired. That's going to make you better. There's no way to replicate those things other than in game, um, you know, to, to where you can learn really, really well from that stuff. Coach Jess? Yeah, I just wanted to kind of chime in on the whole, like, the communication and calling and building that confidence on like what play to call and when um, I think that goes all back to the things that we've talked about on coaches and parents, giving the players the the freedom to fail. Um, a lot of times that lack of confidence and the, the unsurety and insecurity comes from being wrong or maybe being embarrassed or uh, maybe you truly don't know. So you, you're timid to kind of make any sort of call, but um, Heather and I, I mean, you've heard us multiple times, like any call is better than no call because you make the call um, and you can change it, but you can also learn from it. Right. And as players, I mean, it stinks because you don't want to be wrong, but I think that the fastest way that you do grow is from making those mistakes um, because then those stick with you. Right. And, and you don't do them again. So as coaches, just giving your catchers, like not only the freedom to fail or make the wrong call, but also the patience to correct it like in the moment. So it's not, I think that's very important too. It's not something that you kind of circle back to um, like later when maybe a couple of plays have passed or obviously if you're in the middle of a game, you can't really, can't really address it then. But at practice, I think as a catcher, because the role is so important that it's important to take the time to make sure that they understand like, what could have maybe been a better call or maybe what you would have liked to have done differently or maybe just other things they could have called that aren't that when their call isn't necessarily wrong but maybe like just kind of giving them better or different opinions um so as coaches I think it's very important to give them that freedom to fail um let them be wrong the patience to um take the time to teach them and correct them and and explain to them the why. I think that's a really big one. They need to know the why so that it sticks and that they can actually make those decisions in the future based on the situation rather than just kind of like remembering what you told them to do. Um, And then also just reassuring them and giving them the trust and showing them like, hey, like I trust you to make these calls. Like you got it. Like, like trust yourself. Agreed. Absolutely agreed. Yeah, and, and knowing, knowing, obviously, my, my go-to, knowing the players, you know, know which players can just take a quick, you know, uh, next time in that situation, let's let's call this or that. Other players need the, the longer involved. Yes, they need to know the why. And, um, you know, the only way that they're going to gain that confidence, and especially for those players, it, to gain that confidence and then go and execute in the future after having to be corrected is them knowing that you are going to be patient with them and you're not going to get mad at them. You're going to teach them, but you're not going to be mad at them for making the wrong call. Um, Never. I mean, especially, it, you know, when you get to a certain age, um, it like they're girls and they can kind of be fragile. So they need, they need the patience and a player knowing that they're, they're going to have a patient coach who's okay with, a mistake and then talking about it and learning from it is going to make a huge difference, uh, especially those more sensitive players, but for all players, um, then a coach that they know, you know, if I make the wrong call, maybe they won't be mad, but we're just going to blow past it and move on to the next play. You know, they're not learning anything from that. They just know, okay, I was wrong. Uh, So that patience is going to be really, really huge. 
I agree with everything. I love doing podcasts when we talk about catching. It's my favorite. <laughs> I'm just saying, sorry. Fun. Well, because like it's it's to me to me like these are like being a catcher is hard enough as is, but like having a coach who gives you, and this is what we're trying to encourage here, right? Like gives you the opportunity to make mistakes. Like it's gonna allow you to grow so much more because softball is hard. It just is. It is. It is hard. And, you know, it just kind of drives home as we're talking about coaching and being patient and giving the kids the opportunity to fail and, and learn from it. Um, it just reminds me that that the catching position so much is expected of it, but there's such it's just undercoached and, and the attention that's given to it is is just it's just not enough attention given to it, like in practices and things. But but then catchers are expected to go and perform. So. Um, you know, if you want your catchers to perform, you need to set them up and let them know that you have the confidence in them and that, you know, that you trust them and that you know that they're going to make mistakes from time to time. And that's OK. I'd rather my catchers make mistakes as they're learning than not make mistakes because they're scared to fail. Yes. Um, yeah. No, especially especially that position and in practice. It's such it's such a huge position on the field that, you know, we do need to give the time and practice to, to let them to, to find their voice and to learn and, and gain some confidence. Coach Jess? No, I would agree with that, like, wholeheartedly. Um, and I think that, again, the trust, the patience, the encouragement, the, the freedom to fail, that's only going to help give them more confidence and knowing that, like, okay, you have their back, you're, you want them to learn, like, it just it does so many, like, things for them like as a player and as a leader that like I think it's more important for your catchers than than anyone else on the field because they're kind of like to me they're they're your mini coach right like once they're on the field they're kind of taking on that leadership role of the, the traffic control and the situations and the play calling and moving people around and so um, I think that the more you can do to kind of give them that freedom and that that ownership of those things, um, it's going to be monumental for their growth. And then another thing, I know we talk about like the catchers being loud and saying it more than once and their confidence, but I think body language really comes into um, how you can communicate as a catcher as well. Like you guys know, like there's those catchers that they just stand up and how they carry themselves. And it's like, holy crap. Like I Amanda, hope there's Amanda not game. a play at the plate. Yeah. Like they just, you just know, like they are, they're carrying the whole team on their back and not only just in how they carry themselves, but how they like, maybe how they take their masks off and how they like lock eyes with their infielders as they're talking to them or how they like go out and encourage their pitcher. So I think that body language um, and how you kind of, carry yourself on the field also goes into um just everything it means to to just be a catcher and to be a good catcher i agree 100%. no I like, that. I like that and this is like opening a can of worms but i think a lot of times um when you have a catcher like you're talking about that is confident and they carry themselves as a leader and like and it's obvious on the field i mean you you when you see it you you know it immediately um, but i a lot of times with those catchers, especially you, you run into um, sometimes the coaches butting heads with the catcher because they kind of feel threatened. Um, you know, especially if that catcher is not only a uh, presence on the field, but they really get it, you know, the softball IQ side of it. Um, so 
you know, it's, it is kind of, it can be intimidating, especially as they get a little bit older, but man, that's what you're, you're trying to, to grow that. So embrace it and, and foster it and grow it and let them, you know, they're going to, the, the way they present themselves on the field is going to say a lot about you as a coach. So, so go with it, you know, don't try to fight it. Um, just help them learn and help them mold and, and teach them the right way to, to go about these things so that, you know, it's, it's only going to look you know, reflect back positively on you anyway. So try not uh, to to feel threatened or like, you know, get egocentric about it in, in that way. Yeah. And I would, and I would say too, on that same note, there's a very fine line between confidence and arrogance. So if you have a, a catcher that's tiptoeing or teetering, like just be cautious and know that conversations with around that topic will be necessary as well. Definitely. You're right. Definitely a fine line. And you want to make sure you're on the right side of that line. But, um, but you know, foster. All right, guys, this was the latest edition of the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast, episode number 99, Traffic Control. The next episode, episode 100. That's right. Our 100th episode of Fundamental Fast Pitch will be available next week. As always, thanks for listening to the Fundamental Fast Pitch Podcast. Remember to like, subscribe, and share across all social media platforms. And until next time, We'll see you guys later.